Good morning. My name is Spencer Bros. I'm the lead pastor here at St. Stephen's, and it is a blessing to be in this space with you, whether you're joining us physically in this space or spiritually so as you come virtually um, watching us on, with us online. We turn once again to Matthew's gospel, but last week we came to its end at the what we call the Great Commission, now we turn back towards more of the beginning of Matthew, or the end of the first third anyway. Last week we explored mission, the mission of the church. This week we're going to explore the call of Jesus' followers. We're turning to Matthew chapter 9, beginning at verse 9. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, he said, those who are well have no need of, of, of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. And jumping forward to verse 18, while he was saying these things to them, suddenly a leader of the synagogue came in and knelt before him saying, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her. and She will live. And Jesus got up and followed him with his disciples. Then suddenly a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. For she said to herself, if I only touch this cloak, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. When Jesus came to the leader's house and saw the flute players in the crowd making a commotion, he said, go away, for the girl's not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl got up. And the report of this spread throughout that district. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Each of the uh, Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, have their own distinctivenesses. The things that make them, set them apart from each other. Each one telling the story of Jesus Christ together, painting a much fuller picture. But as we look at each one individually, there are different things that, that, that we can see that the author focused on. In Luke's Gospel, we see Jesus's um, universal savior for, for people of, of every nation, not just for the people of Israel. Jesus' compassion and concern for people on the outside, for the marginalized, for women and the poor, and even not just women on the fringes, but also women in ministry. He highlighted that as well. In John's gospel, we see uh, a, a different side of Jesus. We see a more um, spiritual way of talking about our Savior. Much more poetic and philosophical language and an emphasis on Jesus' divinity and his identity as the Son of God. 
Mark's gospel, it's the shortest. It moves fast. Immediately this, immediately that, immediately. It moves on fast, fast, fast. And it tells the most stories. Even though it's the shortest in length, it still has the most um, content uh, because it's just showing this quick pace of Jesus' ministry. And Matthew's gospel, we get to his story and uh, as distinct, different from Luke. Luke focuses on the, those outside of Israel. Matthew is trying to expand on those who are part of Israel, emphasizing the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies and the expected Messiah of the people of Israel. It's also the longest gospel. He likes to talk, Matthew seems. But you know, even Matthew can't help but move the story along when Jesus has a busy day. In this chapter, Jesus has a very full day as we read through it. There's a lot that happens in this text. I always, every time I encounter a passage, I think to myself, there's a lot here. There's a lot here. There's a lot. There's like a month's worth of sermons here. And we even skipped a passage. Not only did the Pharisees show up to say, you ought not be doing this because of who he was with. Then some followers of John the Baptist show up in the in-between and say, why do your disciples get to eat and feast and celebrate while we're still uh, fasting over here? That's a whole nother sermon. We won't do that one. Get in there. Jesus has a very full day as we read about it in Matthew 9. And as we see all of these event, events unfold, we see these particular things come at us. We see com- the call of Matthew as a disciple. We see on display the, the compassion of Jesus for those in need. And woven into all of this is this concern of contamination. It's not on the surface, but it's woven into the parts of, of the story. And we'll get to that in a little bit. Focusing first on this call, what's happening here as Jesus calls the disciples, we notice that Jesus doesn't wait for us to be on a break in between things when he calls his disciples. The first time we encounter them is in Matthew 4. Peter and Andrew, they're casting their net. They're, they're actively engaged in their profession as fishermen. Next come James and John, still actively engaged as fishermen, but mending their nets after a day of pulling on them and bringing in the catch. And then we see in this chapter, as Jesus encounters Matthew himself, he's actively engaged in his work as a tax collector. God doesn't wait for us to be in between things to give us another thing. He meets us where we are, as we are, doing whatever it is we're doing, and says, you got something better you could do. Now, as the text is presented to us, we see or hear Jesus say to Matthew, follow me, and Matthew says, okay. We don't know what else was happening around that. What else Matthew had, may have been experiencing I wonder if Matthew was already struggling with his role as a part of the Roman Empire. Tax collection in and of itself wasn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just the way they went about it that they took exception with. And on top of it, they were working for the Roman oppressors. They were working for the enemy. I wonder if Matthew was having 
a struggle with that, internal debates going on. I wonder if he had gone and listened to John the Baptist, Baptist from time to time, hear him, <laughs> hear himself get called one of the brood of vipers, as John would call those who gathered. Something was at work, already at work within Matthew's life, I believe. And he was ready, whether he knew it or not, when Jesus' call came to him, come and follow me, and he got up. And apparently he invited him to his house or somewhere to have a big dinner, a big meal together. And they're gathered all together, not with, not with the pretty people, but with the other tax collectors and sinners. The people who were on the outside, they weren't on the inside. But Jesus and the disciples were among them. Somehow the Pharisees know what's going on. They show up. What are you doing? Jesus said, I'm here because they need me. I'm where the need is. You seem to feel like you've got it all going on. You don't need a physician. This is where the sick folk are. I'm here among them. The part we skip in that is an encounter when then after the Pharisees leave, the, the John the Baptist disciples show up and we're fasting. Why aren't you, why aren't you engaged? Why aren't your disciples engaged in this fasting? And Jesus is like, I'm here. Why have a party? I mean, why, why be in, the, in a mode of mourning when we should be celebrating? And then, there's a lot of and thens in this text. Do you keep hearing? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm emphasizing them as I'm retelling, but there's a lot of and then. And then, a leader, a local leader shows up and says, Jesus, I need you. My daughter is dead, but I have faith, and I know that you will make her well. Jesus goes. And then, as he's going on the midst, in the midst of their travel, this thing happens. He's walking to this leader's house, and all of a sudden, some, he knows something's happened. And he looks back, and this woman who's been suffering for 12 years has touched his garment. By faith, she's made well. There's a trend in this text that tells us so much about what it means to respond to Jesus' call on our lives and God's movement among us, is that God tends to call us, and, and ministry tends to happen in the, in the interruptions of our day. How many interruptions did Jesus encounter from calling Matthew at the booth before he ends up by that girl's, taking that girl's hand? Ministry can't, well, ministry can be scheduled, but so much of ministry happens in between our schedule or despite our agendas and calendars. Wrapped up in this text is Jesus' call to come and follow me because what I've got is better than whatever may be or what is, is more needed or I, whatever. I just, I need you to come and follow me to do the thing that I have before you to do. And all of that in this story, well, at least the last two parts, is, comes out of Jesus' compassion. He knows of a need and he responds to it. 
I just sat down. I don't think Jesus ever ate a warm meal if it was prepared that way. He's been talking, he's had two major conversations outside of interacting with Matthew and his group, trying to have a meal. I'll get to you later. No. He gets up and he goes. This woman encounters him on the street and he, he takes a moment to talk with her. To let her know that her faith has made her well. And as I mentioned earlier, interwoven through all of this is, is this Hebrew concern of contamination. Reaching back into the Old Testament and the purity laws of things that we can and cannot do, can and cannot touch, eat, places to go, um, situations to be involved in. All throughout those the Levitical laws are these purity things that makes sure that we aren't contaminated by things that are unclean, impure. And not just about disease, and not just about getting sick or, or harmed. We've spent the last two, some three, almost three years really worried about spreading disease. We were very familiar with that concept. If we weren't beforehand, you should be by now. But they were talking about not being able to be fully present with God and being so unclean or unclean to the extent that you cannot enter into God's presence and worship. That woman, who had been hemorrhaging for 12 years, could not worship, at least not in any formal or ritualistic way. Jesus wasn't concerned about that. That girl who was sleeping according to Jesus, but the father thought was dead, to be in the presence of death meant you were ritually unclean. That would exclude him from temple worship. To being pure before God in the rest of their circles. But we know with Jesus, those things do not matter. The concept of being unclean was that it was contagious, and not just disease, once again, contagious, but just Ritually and spiritually being unclean, you could catch it going about your normal day or not avoiding certain things. But what we see in Jesus is the exact opposite. We see in Jesus the contagion is righteousness, spiritually cleanliness, Impurity. Jesus wasn't concerned about catching something because he knew he was spreading the, the cure, the antidote to all the brokenness and impurity and uncleanliness in the world. That what he had within him was greater than disease or death or sin. When the Pharisees came to him at dinner, they were worried that, why aren't you worried about rubbing elbows with these sinners over here? potentially being tainted by their sin. John the Baptist's followers were doing something similar too. Why aren't they fasting a means of which, uh, of making sure that you're clean and, and you've gotten rid of sins and atoning for them? Why aren't, why aren't your guys doing that too? Jesus isn't worried about that. The, thing that, the only thing that Jesus is concerned about is extending the reach of God's kingdom of reaching out in compassion to those around him, of going to the sick, spiritually and physically, 
to extend grace and blessing, modeling compassion for us as followers of Christ. As we gather in this space, in some way, shape, or form, we've answered yes to a call to gather, to follow. Maybe you overheard somebody else's and they made you come today. I don't know. That's between you and God. But you heard something and you're here. There's some kind of influence of God through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit over your lives. And as we continue to answer that call, we continue to, we should be continuing to be open to where God is leading next. As Jesus was calling, calling the disciples, he was calling them to them, and it would be a while before he sent them away from him. He sent them on a couple of mini missions in between before he cut them loose. As we heard about last week, as he got them ready for that great commission to go make disciples. He called them to himself to get them ready, to prepare them. To instill in them his, his teachings and his blessings and modeling life for him. Matthew didn't get a lesson on what it meant to be a disciple. He didn't get a lecture. He got an example. He wasn't sitting there with his tablet and his stencil or stylus, writing down, marking down these wonderful things that Jesus was going to teach him. Jesus just showed him. In the interruption of their day, God continues to call us into ministry. He continues to call us to be closer to him and continues to send us out as well. I've jumped all over the place. Hold on. Oh, I didn't jump. I just didn't follow along. As we hear God's call in our lives, It's so important, I believe it's so important, as we prepare to continue to receive, but also to be sent out to wherever God's sending us, to know that God doesn't call perfect or prepared people. He's not only not waiting for you to be in a break, he's also not waiting for you to be ready. Matthew was not ready on any scale of spiritual health and well-being. He wasn't ready. But Jesus called him anyway. Jesus doesn't call perfect or prepared people, but he prepares the call, the called, through his perfect will. And as we respond to God's call in our lives to, to expect and anticipate things to not go the way we plan them to go, whether it's an interruption or a change of course, But undergirding all of that is a spiritual life that keeps us close to Christ himself. While Jesus is indeed the one who is not worried about being contaminated, we have to continuously check ourselves by reconnecting to Jesus as a source of our blessings, of righteousness, not ours, it's his to make our spiritual routines a priority. I love what Devin's having the kids do during the summertime. 
not just because you go to church and, and it's Sunday school time that we can think about praying for somebody else. It's so important, and, and none of us should just be waiting for Sunday to come around to bow our heads in prayer. We know that. But prayer puts us in a position of not just talking but hearing from God, not necessarily audibly, but experiencing God's presence. Just like you do in building in relationship, how important it is to be in conversation. It's even more so with our God. Prayer puts us in that place. Silence, meditation puts us in that place to hear, not just asking for things or saying things or even rejoicing, but just to be still in the silence and let God speak. and all the other spiritual practices we can be engaged in. But what that does, it helps us to be in that place, to hear God's call when it comes along. To be in that place that Matthew was. When Jesus said, follow me, and you're like, okay. Okay. Peter, Andrew, James, and John also had a similar experience. Being connected with God, focusing, prioritizing rather our spiritual lives also gets us out of ourselves. It gets us away from being self-focused. If I say self-centered, like, oh, I'm not self-centered. But sometimes we get self-focused. If we can't say we're being self-centered, we're self-focused, we're focused on our well-being, we're focused on our security and stability, we're focused on our comfort sometimes. But the more connected we are with God, we cease to spend so much time looking in and we spend more time looking out. And when the needs of the world present themselves to us in a way in which we know that we can respond or maybe even stretching a little bit, but trusting in God to help us do it, we will say yes. Or at least we don't say no. And we put ourselves in that place to be the compassion of Christ for somebody else. Jesus, when he calls us, he calls us as we are. He calls us where we are. But he seldom leaves us in the where, and he never leaves us the same as we were. He calls us close to himself so that we might experience as well as learn about his desire for us, about God's desire to be reconnected, reconciled, to experience his compassion and grace, to live it and to show it and to share it with those around us. And in doing so, remembering that he never leaves us alone. The end of last week's passage, just before his ascension to the the right hand of the Father, he says, I'll never leave you. You're like, what? I think that's leaving, but he's not. (laughs) He remains with us to the end of the age, as he says. To enable us, to comfort us, to push us sometimes, that always love us. May we continuously be open 
to whatever God is calling us to next. To being open in those times of interruption where God is calling us to be his compassion to the world. And help us to lean on Christ, who is the source of our spiritual well-being as we go out into a world that often doesn't know him. And when he whispers or shouts or shows us, follow me, we say, okay, and go with him. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for never leaving us, for walking with us, for guiding us, from going out ahead and and falling from behind. Your grace covers us completely and help us to trust that to trust you, to wherever you are are showing us, to our next, whether it's as individuals or as a, a community of faith or some other entity. Help us to acknowledge your will and your way and to say yes the next time you come calling. We ask this all in the name of of your Son, our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen.